Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and return to Horror on the Orient Express as our investigation continues in Venice. And so we're going to get directly to the story tonight, uh, but before we do, we must go through cast introductions. To my right. Hello, this is Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Fraser. Wonderful. And uh, to Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, this is Rena, and I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and been having some disturbing dreams lately. Hmm, indeed. You ever had a, a, a little spat of troubling dreams, but you've also been busy studying Italian. So hopefully um, they don't morph into some strange Italian dreams while we're here. But one never knows. Oh my. At the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and we're entering a second city of Italian terror. <laughs> indeed. Uh, and to Mr. Griffiths, right? Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger who I think is just starting to realize how long she's been away from home. Hmm. It is a good point to make. You have been traveling now for several weeks overall, and perhaps you're a bit homesick. And last but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. Richard's looking forward to finding a nice little cafe on, on the front of the canal um, where he can sit and relax. Oh, yes. No, I'm certain that Cafes plenty will be found. We raise the curtain today in Venice in the morning. The noise and murmurs of the canal work and the boats and jetties that move up and down, churning and creating what is a powerful business in Italy, probably rouse most of you just at the edge of your perception. The weather here is pleasant. It's a bit cool for most of your tastes, but it certainly would beat England during this time of the year. That said, those of you who may have slept with a window open just for the calming sensations of the waters nearby would probably pick up the slight tinge of something brackish in the air. An, an unpleasant odor for certain. Maggie, you wake up with a resounding burning in your chest. It feels like you need to cough painfully bad. I don't like that. Maggie would try to maybe clear her chest, give a good, good hard cough and see if anything comes out. Oh yes, something comes out of you. It is unpleasant. It is brown, maybe tinged with little wrinkles of darkness and 
I assume, in the sink where you would um, expel it mm-hmm. or into perhaps a, uh, a tissue or, or napkin or some sort of cloth. It's probably about the size of your thumb. Oh, is it solid-ish? It's not. Um, so it does have the consistency of of um, phlegm therein. Um, but there are tiny nodules or beads on it, some sort of obstructive material. It's not completely soft. Well, I wouldn't get rid of it. I think I should show a medical professional of course. what is going on. So I would probably call for Paul. Getting Paul's attention is going to require you leaving your room. The rooms here do have phones, but you're not certain that which room is his, to be honest. You were probably a little tired after all of the work mm-hmm. and travel. Could I ring the front desk to find out? Oh, I'm certain that you probably could. I would do that then. Give me a hard spot hidden room. Okay. I don't want to leave this thing here for fear that it's going to crawl away. Extreme, 7 under 41. You are just about to leave the bathroom where it's at and you swear you see this thing shrink and re-expand I have been thinking about doing this anyways if I was going to have to go to Paul I want to scoop it up in some way perhaps with a handkerchief into a glass certainly you're able to retrieve a portion of it as uh, the sink will clearly remain with some of it and you put it into a very small glass that they had left for you for water. I won't be drinking out of it in the future. Correct. You call down to the front desk and you ask for Paul's room and they connect you through a small switchboard service. You can hear the clicks of the knobs and the plugs of the strange apparatus. You hear a Relatively awake and bright voice answer the phone. Um, ahoy. Uh, hello, Paul. Uh, it's Maggie Bellinger. Oh, well, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, how are you? Not well. I, oh. I woke up with a terrible something in my chest again, and um, I coughed something up into the sink, and I was hoping you could come take a look at it. Uh, of course, of course. Let me grab my. Or my I can bag. bring it. I can bring it to you as well, if that's better. Um, sure. If you're, um, I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to uh, come by. But if you'd like to, to stop over with whatever it is that you found, that would work just fine. Sure, I'll, I'll be right there. You hear Paul's voice on the line trailing as you hang it up. Well, I'll, I'll see you. He goes into this very long diatribe. He's, he has a very long goodbye sort of. Midwestern feel. But you hang up anyway. Cool. Lady Elizabeth, your head is swimming with Italian words when you wake up. You remember still going through the very specific and exacting repetition that your brain needs, that process, which is very important to you, uh, of learning a new language or learning anything. Even though you're a fast learner, what really compels you to learn even quicker is your process. And when you wake up, your head is still dancing in Italian. 
the hotel, Rio, just chanting things to myself and then realize I'm awake. Oh, goodness. Hmm. What time of day is it? It's morning. It's far earlier than you would normally wake up. It must, it's hard to tell exactly. There's no clock in here, but from the light outside, it's definitely morning. I normally rise at eight, so. Yeah, you're probably up just a little bit before you normally would be. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to record my dream in my journal so that I can think it over, try to process it and figure out where it might have come from. And also just so that I can remember it if I need to bring it up later. His dreams seem to have a funny way of coming into play. It's interesting. In recent events. Go back through your journal a little bit and you peruse through musing at, at the history of everything. And you start putting together some very interesting dots about the length of time which between when you dream something versus when it shows up in your life. And it doesn't really take more than maybe a couple of weeks at most before things are beginning to parade through your life. Even some of them are a couple of days. It's hard to not close the journal after recording your dream and feeling a deep sense of disturb. Hmm. Oh, this would be the time to have us someone like Mr. Freud with us. Discussions of dreams seem to be his sort of speciality. They do, but you're fairly certain he's a little far away. Yes, but one can hope or wish. Mm. Wishful thinking. And then you think to yourself, perhaps if you do enough wishful thinking, he'll show up in your dream and then he should show up at some point here. It's entirely possible. It does seem to be special special thoughts, etc. But perhaps I have other things to be working on today. So perhaps I'm going to call down to the front desk and ask them to send up some tea. Right away. You get a prompt reply. Mr. Fraser, given that you were the main contact for making the arrangements here, mm-hmm. staff would have come to you likely about half an hour before anyone would have woken up with the morning paper and a request that you let them know that if there's anything the hotel staff can do here for you or your party. Um, yes, uh, well, I think what I will have done the evening before would be to advise them what, what papers uh, to bring, uh, what time her ladyship has has her breakfast, um, and um, she advise them that, that she she quite often has her breakfast in her room um and i think in terms of his daily routine he'll try and keep that as uh, as as close to usual as possible so you know, he'll he'll get up at his his usual time if he's not woken beforehand by the staff and um get himself dressed and ready for the day and at uh, at an appropriate time uh, go and see if uh, if her ladyship is requires him and if not, he'll go down, have, have some breakfast, mm. read the paper, and uh, wait for the others to, to arrive. Have a little think about uh, what he wants to do with the day himself and see how that fits in with uh, everybody else's plans. 
So you have the opportunity then to get a hold of uh, a couple of papers depending upon your desire. Mm-hmm. They do offer you the Venetian paper, obviously local here. And then they also offer you the paper from Milan. Just come over this morning. And they'll presumably be in Italian. Yes, they would be. So um, I'll say thank you very much and just put them to one side. Um, but I will also ask for the the, uh, the, the Times um, and the Telegraph. Okay. Yeah, they provide both to you. Absolutely. Um, so let's see what's going on in uh, back in uh, in Britain. Well, nothing terribly standout-ish today, but probably a couple pages in, there does seem to be some concern. Uh, evidently, there was a... Um, there's a group of people they believe might have been perhaps travelers from France or other men or women who had been brought to a, a countryside estate in the east near Walton on the Nays. Is it by any chance called um, Miser House? It is indeed. Uh, the authorities are looking into a report that uh, two, up to two dozen wounded people have been recovering in Walton on the Nays during the off-season after a reported gunfight and what might have led to a house fire. Well, he will read that with, uh, with great interest and uh, surprise and shock. There's not terribly much there from the, the small story. It does appear that the local hospital was overwhelmed with uh, people requiring uh, bed service, up to and including some rather serious wounds. They don't go into detail, of course, mm. but... Um, just the wording uh, that they were serious wounds and that the hospital was, quite frankly, overrun. You read between the lines fairly well. You know what that means. Yeah. Is there any reported um, deaths? Several, actually. It looks like there may have been up to six deaths. Don't know why. Uh, forgive me if, if I'm wrong, but I don't believe there was any discussion about this with... Uh, uh, the people that we met on the train. There was not. Yeah, no, I didn't think so. Nope. Yeah, that's fine. The other thing, actually, I was thinking that it might um, it might be worthwhile um, getting a hold of a tabloid newspaper, if you can, mm. um, because uh, it just wants to kind of keep abreast of any further developments in the, in the case, the uh, Fitzroy case, or the Fitzgeorge case, I should say. The Fitzgeorge case, yes. I'm going to do something I would not normally do. I'm going to have you take... Safe? No, I'm going to have you take five points of luck. Oh, okay. Just take them. What, you, you, you're handing me out five points of luck? I am. You bet. <laughs> Good Lord. And here's why. You get a hold of a tabloid, a recent run. Looks like it's fresh from the morning press. And you find a rather scandalous story of a man who was evidently murdered... Very recently, they say. Okay, what do, what kind of details do I get about it? It seems a, a relatively grisly tale, but the reason why you pick up on it is not just because it's written in English. It's actually written in English, Italian, and French. <laughs> you pick up on it because of the name. Very interesting. Um, would you like me to read this out? If you like, if you'd like to give us some commentary on it, absolutely. Milanese man murdered. Police revealed this morning that prominent Milan businessman Arturo Faccia was two nights ago the victim in a bestial slaying 
in a seemingly isolated incident. He had been at La Scala with friends for the opening night of Aida, and had gone backstage to congratulate performers when he became separated from his companions. His mutilated body was discovered late yesterday by workmen on the roof of our cathedral. An official at the diocese stated, It is impossible for anyone to get up there at night. This is the devil's work. Milan police would not describe the wounds sustained, repeating merely that they seem the work of a deranged degenerate. Residents of the city are warned to exercise caution at night. Signor Faccio was a widower without children. He had recently returned from a business trip to Turkey. So what Mr. Fraser might glean from this is perhaps two things. One, this is obviously a fabrication. Mm -hmm. This is not what happened. But Mm -hmm. it is most likely what someone wants people to believe. Hmm. Question is who and why? Yeah, yeah. But it works in our favor to uh, to some extent. <laughs> it's better than being blamed by the black shirts. Yes, absolutely. It's better than having our names in the in, in the newspaper in a association with the uh, the brutal slaying of a notable uh, member of the city. Yes. Just after you're finished reading the story, Mister Fraser, you get a polite gentleman at your right shoulder about two feet off looks like a member of staff monsieur we've had a call for tea for your lady elizabeth ah yes um yes in, indeed uh well uh is a member of the hotel staff um, bringing it up to her certainly willingly figured we would uh, advise you oh well, thank you very much um yes sir uh, thank you uh i'll pop up there momentarily of course. Moments later, Lady Elizabeth, your tea arrives. The staff member sets it down for you uh, wherever you'd like, and then rather pleasantly and quietly leaves you to it. Grazie. He nods. Unfortunately for you, Professor, the morning is not as forgiving. You find yourself on the floor, oh. half under the bed. You have no idea why. Well, Richard will um, sort of maneuver himself from out from under the bed and he will look around for clues. Is the device on the floor or is it popped away in his uh, jacket pocket? What's on the table? Anything in the bathroom? Is he, you know, what's what's going on? Wake up and clear the sleep out of your eyes. This, you've got quite a bit of it. It seems gunked up here. You realize something. The small, somewhat sandy kernels of sleep are slightly tinged with a blue hue. Richard will get his handkerchief and he will um, stash these in the handkerchief uh, for later analysis. You find the device there on the table outside of the box that you left it in. Lenses are currently on display. They're all closed up. Mm, I wonder what happened. Any other clues in the room? Not that you can see. Your window is closed, so you don't get the aforementioned scent of Venice. Well, that's one good thing. Very peculiar. Is it early morning, Richard's sort of woken, or uh, a normal time? Um, I'd probably say it's still early. Still early. 
I think Richard will probably try and pop the device on and see if he can work out what actually happened in this very room. Certainly. It's a wonderful idea. I agree. Do you open the device up and you prepare the lenses? And so I would ask you, as I always do, which lenses are you preparing? Also, based on Richard's notes, he thinks that the green is probably something to do with the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and from his previous experience, he thinks that yellow is something to do with the far. And, well, that's no good because he wants to know what happened in this room, not what, what happened, um, you know, 20, 30 miles away or, or longer. Um, he's also keen to find out what this thing does. So he's going to try the clear lens. Hmm. Interesting. Kill two birds with one stone, maybe. Okay. Give me a hard power roll. It's a fail. That's a 93. Hmm. And so, I would ask you, the player, are you willing to accept the failure, or would you like to push the roll? (laughs) Well, there normally is only one answer to that question, so... Strengthening his resolve and uh, trying to wake up a little bit more and put a little bit more effort, a little bit more drive into that. Richard will try again. Very well. Push the roll. 27 under 80, I believe. Yes. That's a hard success. And a beautiful one at that. Um, So you align the lenses. And you feel a very particular, a strange feeling, actually. It's a complete body shuddering, as if the entirety of your arms and legs are beginning to vibrate at an uncomfortable rate. You see a transposed image of yourself. The lights immediately drop. And you see a candle in the holder there on the desk. It's lit. It's about halfway through. And you see yourself tooling with the lens and the device in the middle of the night. Your eyes aren't open. It's as if you're asleep. Very strange. So can he tell what he's doing with the lens? Which one is he trying to fiddle with? Is it the the empty one? The lens holder? It is the empty one, the one that you're wondering what it does. It seems like what he's doing is your your right hand seems to be running around the inside of the lens as if you're testing to see something there. And you see your, your own eyelids flutter, which is disturbing nonetheless. But you can see that there's something beneath your eyelids. Can Richard try and zoom in on himself and see exactly what this is? I mean, you probably could. Hmm. Put some effort and some drive into trying to focus in on that a little. You feel your perceptions shift around the room and swing towards the front of your own body. You see yourself with the device in hand with the lenses being moved back and forth as you tinker away in an attempt to understand what the truth of them is. And you begin to focus very hard with your own perceptions on yourself. Your eyelids open and they are completely 
blue. Your own voice says to you, Stop looking at me. And now you make sand roll. Did the sound of um, that voice sound like Richard's voice? Mm, absolutely not. Oh dear. Uh, that was 20. That's got to be a pass. It is a pass. I'm still going to take a slight a bit of sanity from you. Yeah, so just a point. You feel the device on your body disengage. You feel yourself fall to the floor. And you feel with an immediate and rushed sense something hit you on the back of the head. To your immediate east, Simon, you hear a body drop in the professor's room. You know the sound. You've heard it 10 or 15 times. Not just in regards to the professor. When men fall, there's a very particular sound. Damn it. All right, I get out of bed. Open the door, and I'm going to walk quickly over to the professor's room. Open the door. Okay. Is it locked? I guess I would ask Richard, would you lock your own hotel room door? Richard would definitely lock his own hotel room door. He's paranoid. It's locked. Okay. Well, I don't have the professor's skills, so I'm going to force it. Well, first I'm going to go, Professor? Professor? You don't get any response, Simon. Maggie, you hear this. Am I with Paul yet, or am I kind of in route? Not yet. You're in route. You're about to come out of your own hotel room. Yeah. Well, Simon sounds like this is urgent, so I would probably, as I come out of my hotel room with my cup of gross in my hand, would quickly walk over to see what's wrong. You see Simon preparing to shoulder open the professor's door. Uh, So that's a strength roll, sir. 32 under 80, so that's a hard. All the localized hotel rooms probably heard that sound. Shouldering open a door is a very specific sound. But yeah, you pop it open and you see the professor splayed out on the ground in his nightclothes. Maggie. Professor's down. Get Paul. I'll rush to Paul's room. Uh, I go in there and I see what's going on. It looks like the professor's unconscious. Does he have his device on? No, it is beside him on the floor. I'm going to avoid it and try gently slapping him awake. Okay. You give him a good slap. You start to come out of it, Richard. Uh, um, I, somebody was here. I think I somebody told me to s- stop looking at them I think Professor I found you out cold on the floor here Maggie you arrive Paul quick uh, something's happened to Richard Oh god he grabs his bag quickly He rushes out into the hall with you back towards the professor's room He's in here it seemed awfully urgent Simon sent me for you Oh he rushes into the room You see Simon, helping Richard try to, to come to, and you see Richard's a little out of it, but he's starting to to talk. Paul and Maggie arrive. Um, so if you can catch him. Uh, somebody hit me. C- catch him? Catch who? Um, somebody hit me on the head. Uh, surely you can see a bruise. Professor? 
Your door was locked. I broke it in. There was no one else in here. That that can't be possible. I... It's entirely possible. What were you doing? I found your, your thing on the floor. Oh, well, that's not uncommon. Um, Paul, um, you must be able to see some bruise. I uh, Sit forward just a bit. Let's see. Let's see. You, you see um, Paul kind of approach the professor and lean him forward a little bit and begin gingerly touching the back of his skull. I don't, I don't feel anything here. There's no raise of skin. Did you say this just happened? You said someone was in here. Well, uh, I mean, yes, I don't know how long I've been out cold for, but um, I was busy with my device and I, I heard a voice and, and uh, a blue to her head and and here I am. Oh, well, why don't um, why don't we give uh, the professor a, a little air here? Uh, c- come, come sit down and uh, I'll check your vitals. Uh, yes, yes, of course. He brings his medical bag over, begins foraging in it. Simon, is it reasonable to maybe take a look in the hallway out there, perhaps down some of the staircases? What did the man look like? I I don't know. He came from behind. I, I only felt the blow to my head. I don't think there was anything. The door was locked. Professor was down. I heard no noise, so I don't think there's any reason to check anything. Now, if you're concerned, Professor, we can look around to see if anything's missing from your room. Well, yes, I think that would be a good idea. And uh, just a question about the room. Is there, like, a fireplace or anything like that in here? These are pretty ritzy places, so I'm going to say yeah. It might be a small fireplace. Unlikely anyone would be able to physically traverse it unless they were perhaps a, a very, very thin person. I wouldn't imagine that uh, a lot of Italian hotel rooms have massive French or English style fireplaces because it doesn't get as cold in Venice. Perhaps a very um, sleek chimney sweep. Well, perhaps they got in via the the chimney there. If the fireplace is is, is open and um, no fire is set. Hmm. Well, uh, it's worth checking over. Simon, perhaps uh, you give it a look. I'll go ahead and check both of them out. Do you want me to make spot hidden rolls? I do. I'd also like Maggie to make a spot hidden roll for something else entirely. Okay, and I'm assuming if even if we have a slender chimney, I do have a poker that I could sweep around up in there. Certainly. Okay. Go ahead. Maggie has rolled an eight under forty-one. Very good. I have rolled a seventy, so that's going to be a no. And no, I would not like to spend. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, you do spend some time giving both the chimney and the window area a uh, very, very good once or twice over. You're, you're a little concerned about the chimney, if only because it does look like it's cold, like there has been no fire recently. And that means that anyone who might have come down it would have had no concern over heat or landing in one. Maggie, something else piques your interest, and it's from the rather protected center of Paul's medical bag. He's there going over the professor's vitals. And you see some rather what you would call European provocative literature. Well, you can't fault the boy for that. No, and neither can the boys in the photos. You still can't fault the boy for that. 
it is something that um, you pick up on. And it looks I'll like it's, it's myself it's, for later. It's, it's actually not <laughs> just men. It looks like there are a wide variety that have um, creeped into Paul's medical bag. Well, variety is the spice of life. Yes, it seems that you and Paul agree on that. He checks over your vitals, Professor, and after a while shakes his head. Perhaps a bit of uh, elevated pulse, probably from all of the uh, histrionics that you were going through earlier. But uh, other than that, you seem fine. I I don't see a, a wound here at the back of your head. I know it may hurt, but have you ever considered or had the experiences of dreams maybe being something more than they are? Well... I mean, we've seen some fairly odd things on our uh, our recent travels, but um, no, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. There's no, no foundation in science for something like that. Um, oh, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I mean we've, we've, we've seen people appear from nowhere. I mean, I, I, oh, I don't know. I've had a dream before, but I was waiting in a in a river near my house uh, in the States. When I woke up, I, I swore my feet were wet. It it wasn't true. My feet weren't wet at all. But the, the dream made it feel real. And so I guess what I am suggesting, Professor, is that perhaps you were having a, a rather um, invigorating dream and perhaps the knock on the head is just something happened when you fell out of bed. Perhaps there's no mystery at all. I fear there's something a little more to it than that, but... Um... I I don't yet possess a logical explanation for, for what happened, unfortunately. Hmm. Can I check the professor's uh, briefcase? You would probably want to ask him in character if you're going to go ruffling through his cases, but sure. Professor, I want to check to see if you still have your uh, your your briefcase from the doctor. Ah, uh, yes, um, yes, that's a, a wise idea. I think you open up the case that has the uh, the stipend. Yes, I don't want to say money in case anybody's listening. That's why I was choosing carefully for my words. Certainly. It doesn't appear that there's significant amount missing from what you believe should be in there. Although, I mean, you haven't been necessarily keeping track of all of that's been spent out of it because it, it is Richard's. Uh, but that said, it does seem to be roughly where it is. It's not like it's empty. And figure if thieves had got in and gotten to the case and gotten it open, they'd have just stripped him dry. Right. Uh, it looks like should all be here, and as far as I know, I mean, I don't know what you've all been spending it on. I know Paul used some, and Roseanne, but I, I did, I did. It's important to have uh, proper medical documentation and med- medicinal refillings for for the bags. It's all fine. Hmm. So, I mean, Richard's the one. Richard technically is the one supposed to be keeping track of it, not me. It ain't my money. I, I am keeping meticulous records, um, as I do with most things, of course. Of course. Well, I'm, I, I suggest, Professor, you get a hearty breakfast here and um, fortify yourself for um, the day's um, adventures, whatever they may be. I haven't heard um, from uh, Mr. Fraser as, uh, as what the, the group will be doing, but um, I suppose if you would like, Miss Bellinger, we can get back to whatever it is that you had a question about. Yes, of course. Uh, perhaps we should go back to your room. Of course. He closes up the bag and gives a um, a bit of an 
outlandish sweeping hand towards the door. I will make my exit. He does as well. Lady Elizabeth, this doesn't disrupt your tea one bit. I'm just having a nice, lovely morning, enjoying the fresh air and my tea and my book. Yeah, the fresh air is fresh if you're into that sort of thing. Um, probably about halfway through your cup of tea, it turns a little bit. It smells like the Thames for a moment, and then it gets a little worse. You eventually have to get up and close the window. don't see why people go on about Venice so much. Not quite healthy, is it? Maggie, you and Paul have um, adjourned to his room. You see that he's got a few things set up here. He has some of his more um, more of the, the chemical testing station that he used when you were in uh, Milan here. He's got that set up. And then a couple of rather large medical textbooks nearby. And Maggie has this thing that she coughed up hidden behind her hands in the cup so that Richard and Simon wouldn't have seen it. Or she would have tried to not let them see it. She would have concealed it. But she will let Paul know, now I don't want you to be alarmed, but I, I'm i pretty sure I saw it move. And she'll hand the, hold the cup out for him to take. You hold the cup out and the material that's inside has turned as black as oil. And it did not look like this previously. Oh I'm, I apologize that I didn't get it to you sooner, but Simon was breaking down doors and I thought that must be more important and require more what? immediacy. What is it? I I do not know, but I know you've done scientific experiments in the past. Hmm. When Richard was powder... Oh, it's fascinating. He reaches out and takes the cup from you. Oh, we've had some patients before when I was still working at Sherrington that would come in with terrible lung problems. Has the cough gotten any worse? I just, I woke up this morning with a terrible pain in my chest. I could feel something. And so I I gave a hearty cough and... This is what came up. Do you think it it could be something? Paul isn't hiding his emotional state very well. He looks deeply concerned. This is something I might find with with patients that maybe spent most of their days in a in a coal mine. You, you say it wasn't this color when it came up. No, it it has gotten dark black. It, it was not this before. Well, um... And I saw it swell and then kind of shrink down in size. That's strange. Do you think it's tuberculosis? Or whatever that word is? Tuberculosis, yes. There's uh, some potential, yes. But but that's a condition that, that does not... It does not ebb and flow like this. This is far different. Hmm. I, I tell you this, Miss Bellinger, perhaps you could leave this with me and I will run a, a few of the, the, the tests through. Perhaps, though, um, are you having any breathing problems now? 
Maggie will take a deep breath and focus on her breathing. Does she notice anything in particularly bothering her? It's there. There's something. There's a hitch in your breath. It feels like about three quarters of the way through filling your lungs with air. It feels like something grabs at your midsection just for a moment. And then as you exhale back out again, about halfway through, there's this other secondary hitch. And as you take a a few deep breaths, Paul moves to get his stethoscope out of his bag and he starts very gingerly applying that stethoscope and listening. I don't hear the same obstruction that I did before. Perhaps this is a good thing. Perhaps you've um, passed whatever it is and uh, the treatment is working. We should keep an eye on it, though. Yes, I'm I'm hopeful that I'm getting past it. As am I. I'll let you know if there's any other symptoms. Thank you. And uh, if I find anything else uh, in regards to this, if I can discern perhaps what it is, then uh, I will let you know. Of course, you have my um, strictest confidence in these matters. Yes, there's a saying that I know where um, secrets don't make friends, but I believe in this case, uh, secrets will keep our friendship strong. And I'll wink at him. And then I'll walk away. Uh, probably leave Paul uh, deeply concerned. I suppose then, if if it's permissible, I'm not certain what Mr. Fraser is going to do after he's had his breakfast. I would assume both Simon and the professor will be coming downstairs to eat in the cafe or have something, unless you're going to eat in your rooms. And if so, just let me know. I think Fraser will pop up. Just now that he knows Lady Elizabeth is, is awake and having a breakfast, just uh, just to see if uh, there's anything that she needs. I would say that there's a fairly good chance that you're going to pass by the professor's room before you get to Lady Elizabeth's. Mm-hmm. And that's probably when you would notice that the professor and Simon are, are talking. Uh, you can hear them through the door because the door is no longer completely attached to the frame. I'll have the newspaper under under my arm with the article in it that, uh, that I've good. been reading. What they are discussing is not necessarily any of my concerns, so uh, unless I hear raised voices or something that sounds untoward, I shall uh, pass by. Just internally note that they're up and about. Yep. And yeah, you arrive at Lady Elizabeth's store. Um, and I shall tap the door in my usual way. Yes, who is it? Uh, it's Mr. Fraser, your, your ladyship, uh, Good morning, Mr. Fraser, and I'll get up and open the door. Ah, good morning, your ladyship. Uh, did you sleep well? Mm, I'm not sure that's the word I would use for it, but uh, better than the previous night, let's say. Really? Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you're still, uh, still being troubled by uh, my dreams. Yes, quite. We shall have to discuss it at some point, I suppose considering my dreams seem to have a way of showing up in reality. Aye, well, that is a little disconcerting, certainly. Um, is there anything I can do for you? Well, I suppose you've already arranged for my breakfast to be sent up, so unless there's been any uproar during the night, I don't think so. Not that I'm aware of, no. Uh, I did find a, a rather interesting article in uh, this morning's newspaper, though, from Milan. Oh. I have it here. Are they hot on our trail? Well, I'll let you uh, judge that for yourself when you see it. And I'll hand over the uh, the newspaper, point to the article in question. 
Do come in, Mr. Fraser. And I'll close the door behind him so we don't have any eavesdroppers. <laughs> well, seems uh, someone's trying to cover up whatever happened. Indeed. What is this about Turkey, though? Do you think that's accurate? I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, we do have uh, that uh, note on the train timetable uh, uh, about his arrival in, in Milan. So uh, clearly he was somewhere. The fact that he was in Turkey, well, it, it seems a little bit more uh, more of a, than a coincidence to me, if, if, if you catch my meaning. Yes, quite. That's what I was thinking. I'm not sure I believe in coincidence anymore, Mr. Fraser. Mm-hmm. Not at this point. No, indeed. Uh, it seems uh, it seems we're well rid of him, that's for certain. Um, but in any case, uh, it, it is uh, curious as to uh, who might have uh, might have provided the newspapers with, uh, with this information and whether they are acting on our behalf or not. Mm. Or perhaps it's uh, whoever else is looking for this simulacrum covering their tracks. I would imagine they don't want to be found either. No, no, and I would imagine as well that uh, they wouldn't want too many questions asked about uh, exactly what happened at La Scala that, that night, and, uh, well, I don't know if anybody else saw the man and, well, what whatever it was he became. I'm not even sure I believe it myself. Yes, well, I didn't see it, so I have to rely on your rather picturesque description. Ah, well, no. You were lucky, your ladyship. You're lucky not to see it. Uh, and I would imagine it is not something that uh, uh, that anybody would want to get into the newspapers. Uh, people would not credit it with any truth, uh, apart from anything else. I'm going to lean forward on my cane a little bit. Mr. Fraser, do be a bit more careful. You're lucky to have gotten out of there and sort of look around, make up my mind about something... Not quite sure what I'd do without you, to be completely honest. So, please be a bit more careful in the future. Well, I, I take your point, your ladyship. Uh, I, I, I went in there with the intention of being as uh, as careful as I could, but uh, circumstances uh, rather got the better of me. I have to say, once I once I saw what was happening. Yes, I do understand. I do understand we have Mr. Griffith still with us, partially because you intervened, which we are grateful for, but uh, I've gotten quite used to having you around, if I'm being honest. It's very kind of you to say so, Your Ladyship. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, if, uh, if we're speaking our minds, if, if I may, uh, I, um, I, I don't intend to go anywhere just yet. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Uh, have you heard anything from his lordship recently? Well, I have been uh, scouring the, the papers uh, for news uh, of the uh, the uh, situation uh, back home, but uh, I've not seen anything uh, in the last wee while, uh, so uh, I'm not exactly sure where we are at. My intention is to uh, see if I can make a telephone call though this morning and uh, catch up on uh, uh, any events that uh, might not have uh, made it to the press. Good idea. Uh, it's not like my brother to go so long without communicating though I do suppose he wouldn't know exactly where we are and it's entirely possible that he's been sending telegrams to various places along the Orient Express stops without knowing where we are and we've just missed them. Especially with the uh, two week nap we had in Lausanne. So 
Mm. Yes, indeed. Yes. I know Father said that there's absolutely no legal claim this imposter can make, but I worry he might be upsetting my mother. You know, her health is not the greatest since Father died. And his lordship is not exactly the most uh, focused of gentlemen. I, I, I do hope he's not troubled too much. I'm sure that uh, he will make every effort to ensure that your mother is, is not uh, upset by, by this news. And uh, he, he uh, is a, a man of discretion. Um, and you uh, will have men on the case, I, I'm sure. Perhaps he is uh, using his uh, position to ensure that uh, as little makes it to the to the newspapers as possible. Uh, it it may well be that uh, that there has been no progress. Uh, sometimes cases like this, I believe, go on for some considerable length of time. But uh, I, I will um, I will attempt to make arrangements to find out uh, if there is any uh, any progress uh, either way. Mm. But rest assured, dear ladyship, I uh, I have. Every confidence that uh, this man, whoever he might be, uh, will be uh, put firmly in his place by the, by the rule of law. Yes, based on what Father said in that rather unorthodox uh, discussion we had, uh, I gather there's no actual English legal proof of his claim, so perhaps he's just drawing things out as much as possible in an attempt to get to, well, me, I suppose. Father said he was after me for some reason. And then there was the whole thing with the, was it Miss O'Shea called it an elemental? Oh, that thing on, thing on the boat. Aye, aye. So it's entirely possible he's just drawing this out as long as he can without actually getting into court. Because once he has the case dismissed, if he has no proof under English law, then there's not much he can do now. Indeed, uh, in terms of. Uh... What he appears to be intending, that, that, that certainly seems to be the case. Uh, however, dragging the family name through the mud, I dare say, is one of his objectives. Uh, there's a certain spite and vindictiveness to his a- actions, uh, which do not uh, follow the line of a gentleman. Yes, quite. And everyone knew about fathers uh, are singers, but one does not speak about it in polite society. And the fact that one would bring it up to the papers, as this young man has done, is... Well, it's not gentlemanly. It most certainly is not. With this uh, slightly older time, I'm fairly certain his lordship would have challenged him to a duel. Pistols at <laughs> dawn, that sort of thing. But unfortunately, that has fallen out of favour. We have to deal with things the slow way. Yes, well, uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that we can put this to rest, and uh, and he will trouble you no more. But uh, that is somewhat out of our control at the at the moment. Uh, given where we are and uh, our uh, our own particular uh, lines of inquiry. Uh, speaking of which, uh, what are your intentions for the day, your ladyship? Uh, do you have any anything in particular you would like to do? Yes, I'm planning a visit to a library. Are we surprised? I think not. And I'll smile at him. Well, it's... it's um, well, it's... it's, it's Funny you should say that, but uh, I was actually considering uh, heading over to the the library myself. I've uh, been thinking about it somewhat, and uh, I would like to do some research into uh, into Napoleon and uh, his uh, his taking of, uh, of Venice. Uh, I don't know much about uh, the actual history of it, and uh, apart from anything else, it would increase my knowledge and understanding of uh, of the uh, 
at the time. I believe it was in the, the late 1700s, possibly just towards the end of the century, but I don't know very much more than that about it. Well then, Mr. Fraser, let us divide and conquer the library, so to speak. I must admit I would be grateful to have your escort, considering the unsavory nature of the gentleman Miss Bellinger and I ran into at the library in Milan. While we handled ourselves quite well, I would rather not deal with the black shirts on my own. Again, uh, or I fear I might break another walking stick. Quite well, uh, as I understand it, you handled yourself admirably, as did uh, Miss Bellinger. Uh, Shall we meet in the lobby, say, in 20 minutes? Yes, that sounds perfect. Thank you, Mr. Fraser. I shall see you there. Wonderful. Professor, are you and Simon getting something to eat? I should ask that, too, of Miss Bellinger as well given that your doctor's visit is over. Yes. After I part ways with Paul, I would probably go down to get some breakfast under the assumption that some of my friends may be down there. Yep. There they are. I'm going to escort the professor down since he was still probably a little woozy. Before Richard actually goes down, he'd, uh, he'd say to Maggie, um, um, I, I hear there's some nice sights in Venice. Um, why don't you um, take your camera? I don't think we've uh, you don't seem to have used it much recently. Yes, I was so distracted in Milan that I almost completely forgot about it. I, I agree. We could get some good shots around Venice. Well, I, th- I think we have a few places we have to go around here anyway. How about we get some food and talk about it downstairs? Perfect. You okay, Professor? I'm, yes. Well, uh, I, I think that a nice cup of tea wouldn't sort out, I'm sure. I would imagine that uh, after uh, a walk downstairs to get the blood moving, as there is no lift here in the hotel, some tea, perhaps uh, some, some breakfast would, would do you well. It is a wonderful breakfast. The hotel is uh, likely to have many things which are uh, to your liking cheeses, fresh eggs if necessary, breads, sweet rolls. They have a myriad of concoctions which involve chocolate, which uh, Lady Elizabeth does not find out until she gets downstairs because chocolates were not offered to her. But that'll be remedied. The, The kitchen staff will be made awares. After a time, it's probably on to say 10 o'clock after all of the hubbub, the group can be considered uh, roughly assembled to uh, decide what will happen during the day. Now, the two of the group have already talked about going to the library, so they've got their decision made. The question I have for them is, will they be telling their compatriots where they're going, or will we be splitting the party? Possibly both. Now, Professor, I'm feeling you could use some uh, fresh air, and I have at least one uh errand I have to run. Miss Maggie, if you'd like to come. I mean, just the one and then whatever whatever you guys want to do and I can just hang back. And yes, I'd be happy to escort the professor while you run your errand. That'd be fine, too. I, I need to get a, a new uh, blade. Oh. Unless you'd like to find one for yourself. Every young woman should have one, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure. I think I'm quite fine for now. 
I, I oh. was hoping we could maybe see more of the city, perhaps take in a museum. Oh, I would definitely be happy to do something like that afterwards. Uh, I just feel naked without it right now. A, a museum sounds fantastic. Now, I did have one thing I wanted to ask y'all. Are Lady E and Fraser here as well? I'm happy to assume so. So I understand we have two pieces of our objective, but we also have something to do with the head, right? We don't... No, I don't think... Where are you getting this from, Simon? The scroll of the head. I'm not trying to talk out loud. <laughs> well, we can't read your mind, man. You'll have to talk out loud. Why don't you write it down on a piece of paper? Simon writes down the scroll of the head. Fraser writes down, what about it? <laughs> well, well, aren't there supposed to be a scroll for each part? Aye, but... What makes you think that, that that particular part is in this particular place? What's leading you that, to that conclusion? Well, the thing is, is we've got two parts now, but we are short on scrolls. Maybe we should be looking for both. Ah, I think I see where you're coming from. Yes. Well, that is indeed uh, that is indeed something to bear in mind. Uh, where would you suggest we begin? That's the question that I I am not as well now well as knowledgeable about European institutions as you are all, but I would think it would be either in a library, a museum, entirely possible, or a private collection. Is does that pretty much cover it all the bases? Well, I mean, it could be anywhere really. We don't really know very much about this place and exactly what we're looking for here. So we're operating in the dark to a certain extent. I understand. So I think a fact-finding mission on, on our, our first day here, perhaps. Um, see if we can get a, a sense of the place. Perhaps a canal tour of sorts. Ah, that would be fantastic. It would give us an opportunity to have a, a, a good look a right around the whole um, city. Yes. So we think there's a piece here, but we have no knowledge of any of the the instructions. Is that more or less true? Lady E? Correct. Now, that could either be in a museum, a private collection, or it could be in the church papers at the Basilica. Entirely possible. I don't, although I don't know why a Christian church would have such a an occult text, but stranger things have happened, I suppose. What about witch hunters and everything else? When they f- when exorcist and all of them fight some, they they have to be educated, don't they? If you'll... F- yes, Mr. Fraser? If you'll forgive me for a moment, I think you're firing blind at the moment, Simon. Absolutely. You're, you're making speculative guesses about where it could be, where it might be. I am shooting from the hip and coming up empty. Yes, but what, what I'm saying is running around looking in churches and uh, it's, it's not really going to help us. We need to be a little bit more precise in, in what we're doing. Uh, what I feel personally is that we need to take the information that we do have and see if we can expand on that. 
And to that end, my um, my intention is today to uh, accompany uh, her ladyship here to discover a little bit more about what Bonaparte did when he and his troops arrived in the city. What he did when he got here, what where they went, where, where they were stationed, to try and see if we can narrow down uh, possible locations of, of the items uh, which we are searching for. I understand, and this is wonderful, but my only concern on this is that we are going to end up in Constantinople with two scrolls and five pieces, and we're going to have to go back to Paris to get another scroll. By all means, Simon, if you wish to work your way through the uh, churches and cathedrals uh, of the city. I, I am not a find. librarian, unlike y'all. I'm just trying to to toss ideas out to cover my, our asses. Well, no, that's what language, I'm saying. Language, Mr. Griffith, language. What I'm saying, but what I'm I'm saying Simon, our... is by all means, go and search a church. Well, I will say, if someone is going to search a church, it had better be someone else. I am quite certain I would burst into flames if I set foot over the door. Professor, would you do it for me? I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't know what I'm looking for. Uh, well, but what, in the library? Anywhere. I mean, I, I just have an idea that I don't want us to pass by what could be here. You understand what I'm saying? I, I, I fear us moving forward and having to double back. I understand what and you're Lord saying, knows, Simon. I'm, we, I'm agreeing with you. Do you think we can go back to Mavon? We burned so many damn bush. Shh, shh. Bring your tone down. People will hear us. Now you see the people, staff around you are looking at the table now. Just for a moment. And then they go back to doing what they're doing. Simon, I'm agreeing with you. If you feel that the way forward for yourself is to go and look around the, the, the likely places such as churches and, and so forth and see what you can see, then then absolutely. I don't know what I'm looking for. None of us know what we're looking for, Simon. You know as well as any of us. Excuse me? And last time we had to dig it out of a bear. It could be anywhere, not just a and church. And how many languages do I speak compared to y'all or read? Probably just a similar amount. Oh, well, you speak English and American, so... That's two. two. And French-Canadian. That's three. I'm afraid I only speak English. I kind of wish I'd uh, studied a little harder now. It would have been mightily useful on this trip. Yes, well, perhaps you've picked up some American from Mr. Griffith by now. Yes, quite. I'm going to go get my knife because I'm not sure y'all understanding me. I don't think I can read read what we have. I don't know what we're looking for. None of us can. Lady E is our font of knowledge. Yes, but we aren't going to follow her around this city, all of us just trailing behind her in some sort of parade. Why the hell not? I mean, it would be quite entertaining. We must stand on our own. We must divide and conquer. Divide and conquer is dangerous. We must operate as a unit, right? We're not all moving from one place to another. Now, I have an appointment with the library. And I would like to be able to spend as much time as possible reading. So I will bid you good day, whatever it is you intend to do with the rest of your day. And we will meet back here, assuming we are all in one piece. Do try not to upset any black shirts. I'll be along shortly, your ladyship. I'll catch up with you if, that, if that's all right. Yes, well, you are a bit speedier than I am, Mr. Fraser, so I doubt it will be difficult. I don't know this... Uh... 
This needs not what it was, that's for sure. I have an extra walking stick if you need to borrow one. Well, I, I managed to purchase myself a, a rather fine one uh, in uh, in the last city, so uh, I think uh, I think I shall I shall manage. So it's got a good heft on it. <laughs> I'm going to set off, and probably wouldn't be visible to anyone but Mister Fraser. But Lady E is very obviously annoyed, just in the set of her shoulders, and it's it's hidden socially but Fraser would know her well enough to be like mm, she mad <laughs> yeah Simon just so you understand my perspective on this I don't speak any foreign languages other than a, a smattering of French and German much like yourself I don't know what I'm looking for I'm just trying to piece together this this puzzle as best I can. Use the skills that I have in order to, to see if, if that provides some sort of small illumination on, on the, 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 the objectives that we have. I, I, I am no more adept at, at this kind of thing than you are. You understand? So to say that you need somebody else to, to point you in the right direction, to show you the way, you're, you're doing yourself down. You're, you're more than you think you are. I'm scared. I almost... I almost died. We're all scared. This is dangerous shit we're in. And I don't think we need to be splitting up. The sooner this is done, the sooner we get to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home as well, Simon. But we have a job to do here. I know we have a job. We have to focus on the job. And we can't all just traipse round in a, in a little group of us from one place to the other while half of us sit twiddling our thumbs while the others get on with the work. We don't have the time. We don't have the luxury for that. I understand that. And we need to apply us, us as we are to the best places. I understand why Lady E is going to a library. This is her best thing. This is what she's knowledgeable about. She knows more about that spooky shit than you and I do. Hell, I, you know, I barely read anything. I, I'm more than happy to go to a museum and see what I can see and see if I can find pictures or clues that I can see with my own eyes but I'm not going to be able to read anything to find any of these instructions. But that doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. You find something, you see something, you can bring that information back to us. While we've been researching one direction, which may prove fruitless, you have perhaps found something that could be useful, although you can't identify exactly what it is. You bring it to our attention, and her ladyship or the professor or Miss Bellinger or possibly even myself might be able to cast some light on it. But if you hadn't found it in the first place, we wouldn't know anything about it. And I believe if you're with the professor, he can read in his own terms with the device. This is true. Okay, how are we going to go about our business? Jim, you're going with the lady. And you're going with the professor, Miss Maggie? Yes, and we will happily take care of you, Simon. Can we get my blade first? I would appreciate that. Of course, Simon. And then I will just follow along. I don't want to be by myself right now. 
That sounds perfectly fine, Simon. You're more than welcome to come with us. Thank you. Absolutely. So, the investigators split into a couple of different groups. The the threesome, that is Maggie, the professor, and Simon, obtain a likely rather serviceable knife of, um, depending upon specific length that Simon was going for, it could vary, right? So any local dealers would likely either sell one or two things. It's not going to be any stores that sell minted knives. Mostly you're probably going to, the easiest thing you're going to get a hold of is probably a World War I uh, Italian used blade. Uh, that's probably your best bet. If Simon can find one of those that's of decent balance, he'll take that. You pick it up rather easily just before the three of you end up jumping into either a gondola or a steam jetty to go up and down the canal. Now, my question is, is are you looking to get where you're going or are the two of you or three of you looking to enjoy uh, perhaps a protracted gondola ride? Um, well, Maggie, um, I'm not quite sure. Um, I mean, if we take Simon with us, um, uh, we can go and get his knife. Um, should we Should we take the, um, I don't know, a, a scenic ride? I mean, we could um, a, a gondola with a, one of those uh, gentlemen with the poles. Yes, I think that would be fantastic. Lady Elizabeth and Mr. Fraser are going to the library and we aren't quite sure where we're going or where the museum is so taking a nice ride on a gondola and and perhaps having them steer us around would be fantastic yes all right and they can maybe show us places of interest that where we can find historical information that isn't a library ah we can we can gather information from the locals i I think that's a splendid idea all right the three of you set off shortly thereafter do you have a destination in mind? Are you going back up the canal to get uh, a little bit longer of a voyage out? You could sail towards, perhaps they suggest, the Rialto Bridge. The gondola worker might mention that the Rialto Bridge is one known that is uh, particularly appreciated by lovers who visit Venice. He is not at all camouflaging who he's looking at. That sounds beautiful. It is. He promises you. It's wonderful. He notices that you have a camera and he says, uh, there are many people who take pictures of the bridge. Well, I, I think that will be fine. Wonderful. He allows you to uh, get in, Professor uh, Maggie. He helps you step into the gondola. Thank you. And the three of you are off on a canal voyage. Lady Elizabeth... You and Mr. Fraser step not too far from the hotel. You walk down the row. And before you know it, you are outside of one of Venice's finest libraries. There are other libraries here, smaller ones, likely more private collections. But walking down the row in Venice is something to truly behold. Inside, you are treated to a multi-floor structure of what can only be considered a reasonably beautiful library, Lady Elizabeth. There are desks to sit at a plenty. It is quiet enough to hear a pin drop, and there is simply 
fonts of knowledge from hundreds of years around you. And no black shirts burning books out front? No burning books out front, but that does not mean that there are not black shirts. Yes, but they're not burning books, which makes me feel a little more comfortable. Certainly. Not yet, no. I'll say uh, the uh, canal is somewhat uh, fragrant today. Yes. I presume there are all manner of uh, water life, Mm. but it's not exactly a topic for polite conversation. What is it they call uh, Venice? Uh, Just a town without a sewer? Lady E cannot repress a shudder. It's hard to argue with the accuracy of his statement, though. Luckily, inside the library, there is no such stench. And uh, stretched out before you are a wide array of books. Most wonderful thing in the universe sometimes. Now, your ladyship, I suppose our next task is to uh, either find some that are in English or find somebody to translate for us. Uh, How is your Italian? I have about 25 words, I think. Well, that's uh, that's about 24 more than I do. (laughs) All right, so I guess I would ask the two of you, what are each of you looking for here within? I am, first of all, uh, looking for somebody who speaks English. Hmm. And then I am going to ask them if they have any reference works, historical reference works in English in the library. Okay. The lead librarian that is here at the, the wide desk on the main floor does speak English, although it is uh, peppered quite fragrantly with an Italian accent. She doesn't struggle at all to conversate with you in English, though. And uh, it doesn't go unnoticed by you, Lady Elizabeth, that the head librarian is a woman, uh, a spot in many more academic circles which would be reserved for a man. Venice seems to be doing one thing right, at least. I'm going to be asking about occult tomes and that sort of thing. She would turn to you or in, in, in regards to your question and say that uh, books on what many would consider forbidden knowledge have been removed from these shelves ages ago. The church, of course, has a rather open disdain for texts which um, dispute their beliefs. Well, of course... A bit closed-minded in some places, but it'd be a a shame for such diversity of knowledge to never be seen again. Well, I think that there might be collectors, perhaps, in this area who might have secured such texts, but it would be difficult to say who or where they uh, might be. If you'd care to leave any sort of forwarding information, perhaps if they arrive, a message could be given to them. I would appreciate your assistance. I have interest in all manner of things. Hmm. Interesting. Yes, if I hear something, I will uh, contact you with all haste. I do appreciate it. In that case, I will help Mr. Fraser if I can't have my beautiful occult books. You know, I seem to think that you have an occult book. Yes, multiple occult books, in fact. I do, but I'm looking for more. 
because you don't grow tired of killing staff members at hotels with occult books or? <laughs> I, I didn't do that. The book did that. It's convenient rationalization, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So, uh, Mr. Fraser, then to you, sir, you are looking for, if memory serves correctly, things on the Napoleon. Uh, yes, I'm specifically looking for the um, Napoleon's uh, invasion and occupation of, uh, of Venice. Indeed, as is uh, was mentioned to you by uh, and written down by the professor um, Beddoes, uh, you are all aware, at least in some regard, should you remember, that Beddoes' notes refer to Napoleon arriving in Venice in 1797. And so that is your starting point, your thread that you are going to pull on. You do have French, yes, sir? I do have a smattering, yes. I would uh, bade you to roll French. And you may allow, if you'd like, Lady Elizabeth to assist you, should she speak French, uh, which I believe she does. Of course, yes. Which she does. And then, uh, so, if you'd like. Probably better than I do. Probably. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me who wants to be the primary role, but the other person can assist them. Um, An assistance will uh, remove... I should say, one level of difficulty from this roll. Before you roll, fate is going to have a hand in what you get, as is the nature of fate. <laughs> Which one of the two of you is going to make the roll? I think Mr. Fraser will, um, if, if Lady Elizabeth comes over while he's speaking to the librarian or maybe looking through a shelf, trying to find, looking at different books, trying to find one that might be might be relevant, maybe maybe at least not finding any that um, that are in a language he he can read. He will ask her if her French is uh, better than better than his, which he thinks it probably is. If uh, if she would like to uh, try and try and see if she can find uh, anything, he will certainly defer to her. I see. I'm quite fluent, as it turns out. So I'll make the roll. Don't tell me someone voted against me again, Mike. <laughs> Actually, uh, no. No one rolled against you. And so if you are supporting her in this role... I am, yes. Then I am going to play a hand in fate, a fate in favor of you for this role and drop the difficulty a roll from hard to standard. Excellent. Is this for Lady Elizabeth's or Rita's? Um, so you're going to roll French with advantage. She is going to roll French... Uh, normally, but at hard difficulty. We'll see how much time it takes the two of you to douse the library for history of Napoleon. I'm rolling French with a bonus die. Is that, is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, and I'm looking for a, a hard French roll? You are looking for a standard French roll, sir. I'm with you now. And thanks to the bonus die, I got a 14 under 23. And I got a 10 under 54. Fantastic. I'm ticking that right now. Tick away. <laughs> Yay. The searching and the collection of this takes roughly about four hours. Uh, given your assistance, you've cut the time in half to gain the information. You find records, Mr. Fraser, of a plague that spread through the city after Napoleon's troops entered. Victims experienced crippling pains in their left leg, but no physical cause could be found. Lady Elizabeth, you find an official report of a Captain 
Guillaume Dubois. Capitaine Dubois was a young and energetic French officer in charge of the San Marco district in November 1797. At the height of the plague. I can't remember because Paris was a while ago. Hmm. Did Maggie or Richard mention the name? Um, they did, right? Oh, yeah. When, especially when Maggie saw they him when we were in the they cab. Guillaume. They mentioned yeah. the name. I mean, okay. to, okay. to be I fair to her. them, Guillaume is not such an uncommon name in, in French society. Yes, but I don't believe in coincidences anymore. Clearly. He's French. His name is Guillaume. He's connected to this area with the simulacrum. I, I'm running with it. And so this record, it seems, is uh, fairly detailed. If you're up to it, once you've had a moment, perhaps you'll um, inform Mr. Fraser as to its contents. And of course, our listeners at home. Mr. Fraser, I believe I've found something. Oh, as have I, your, your ladyship. Uh, what, what, what have you discovered? Do you remember that uh, strange ghoul... I believe the word was that uh, Miss Bellinger and the professor seemed so enamored with back in Paris. That fellow they found down in the catacombs. Yes. Aye, aye. Well, I think I may have found his diary, or at least what would have been his diary when he was human. I think. That's me. I could be wrong, but... And I'm going to read the section out, because I don't know if Mr. Fraser will be able to read enough French for it, so... Yeah, you're, you're fairly certain that he's he not going to be versed in French enough. Okay, so I'll, I'll read it. Official report summary, Capitaine Dubois, 16 November 1797. Sir, regarding the disturbances of the last three days, I must report that on the 13th November, an unruly mob of Venetians gathered at the San Marco barracks gates. They defied my request to disperse. The reason they gave was that they wanted me to deliver one of my privates, Jean Boucher, to their hands. They claimed that he had caused this grievous plague that afflicts Venice by evil arts. They seemed to genuinely believe this superstitious nonsense. Defying my direct command to depart, they attempted to storm the barracks and seize Boucher. I ordered the men under my command to fire. The first volley was directed over the heads of the mob. No second volley was required, as the crowd then dispersed. I then put the district under curfew. I interviewed Boucher, and found him a docile soul of low intelligence and little enterprise. Why, the sole loot he has been able to gather on our glorious march across Europe is an odd porcelain leg. Boucher seems to think it a prize, although I doubt any other man under my command would think so. The next day, a delegation of prominent Venetians of the district visited me, and again requested Boucher be tried for witchcraft. I imprison them all as the ringleaders of the mob. There the matter rests. There will be no further such unrest in the district under my command. On the 15th of November, that occurred which I have described to you privately. I deal with this in detail in personal documents as not fitting for the subject of an official report. And there's an annotation from his senior officer, a Major Otemont, commending his prompt action in dispersing the mob without any bloodshed. Well, it seems to me we can probably find more on this. They obviously had the leg, so perhaps he wrote something about where to find it. 
Well, I, I did find this uh, other information about uh, about this this plague and people complaining about the crippling pains in in their leg. Uh, there must be more to it, your ladyship. A question we will have the opportunity to answer in a future episode. So, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Horror on the Orient Express. We hope you are enjoying yourselves, and much like our investigators. We will see you next week.